this episode, you're going to meet my man, Miles Langley, DP, director, dad, creative genius, and all-around marvelous human being. We're going to be talking about his fatherhood project that he created in lockdown. Very impressive. Finding a balance between personal projects and actual paying work. The differences between a hobbyist and professionals in the creative industry. And the creative conundrum of wishing you had time, but when you have time, what do you do with it? I.e. 2020. So grab a marshmallow, pull up a log. It is story time. If you got cues, throw them down below or drop me a line. Enjoy. So Miles, who are you and what do you do? Oh, that's like the worst question to be asked for me personally, because I just uh, always ramble on like I am now and never make a point. Essentially, I like to tell stories and make them look pretty. Uh, video is my medium of choice for that. That sounds good. You have many other talents, but we'll just narrow you down to that one. <laughs> Um, but for this particular episode, we're going to go way back. We're going to talk about when we first met, because we have a long-running history, like my oldest friend in London. I know, right? Um, and we started making stuff ages ago. I went, uh, I'm just going to say I went one way. I was more of the uh, corporate chaser, and you were more of the, I'm an artist at that stage. I think you still are more of an artist than I am. Yeah, it's, Much only, more. it's only kind of working out. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. It's working out great. Um, let's talk about that. Because I feel like when I, w- when I just arrived, my big thing was I'm just going to do every job I can. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Whatever the job is, I'm just going to do. And you were like, no, man. You need to make art with your work. So has that stayed true with the work that you do? I mean, the problem is it, it stays absolutely true, but it's doing it that I struggle. It's, I think all, I, I hear it over and over again. It's like everyone who says that they're doing stuff that they want to do, it's because they've done personal projects that they love just because they love it and not because they even think it's going to get them anywhere. But it takes commitment and it takes time and I have not put enough in in my career thus far. Well, you say that, but I remember the stuff that you were making eight years ago, just as much as I remember anything that I've ever created. It was those little profiles you were doing. Sure. I think Vonnie was the first one that I saw, yeah. and it was amazing. It was like, dang it, I need to implement more of that into the mm. stuff that I do, and it was gleaning from artists and creatives and trying to implement that in my own work, but if I didn't have something like you, what you had created to kind of guide that... You know, I wouldn't be as good as I am today because I look at stuff like that and I go, I want to, I want to bring that into my work. So kudos for sticking to your art. Um, and I feel like that's, that's always been your MO. And I think that one of the projects you recently worked on, which is the fatherhood project, um, that resonated with me, obviously, because I'm a father and you look at, and you look and you listen to these stories and you're like, I can relate to that. And I think that all the lockdown stuff where we were all hunkered down and spending more time with our families. It was interesting. So what, what was it that inspired you to do it? And did the result equal what you were hoping to, or was it better, worse, more difficult? Yeah. I mean, for me, it was a matter of 2000 sort of 16, 17, 18, 19, we're all, busy and I was more focused on the work work than the the work for like what I wanted to make and then all of a sudden um the sort of pandemic kicked in 
and we had a lot of time on our hands and it got to the point where I was like, if I'm making excuses that I can't find the time or the space or the, the ability to do this thing that I've wanted to do since I had a son in 2018, uh, then I really, I'm, I'm never going to make it because now's the time, <laughs> now's the time, now's the only time. And so I, yeah, I mean, it was a result of having my first son in 2018 and uh, expecting or anticipating the birth of our second child, which happened a week and a half ago, um, that kind of, I wanted to share my experience of being a self-employed person with flexible hours and able to spend a lot of time when I wanted to, needed to, could, with my young son. And I looked at the world out there and how it was operating and how when you go into work a nine to five or eight to eight, you know, you, you probably don't see your kid for five days at a time and you just see them at the weekend. So I wanted to show that in the lockdown, it provided this unique opportunity that, I mean, many, many fathers had never had to spend more time than they ever would with their children and get to know them. And I kind of wanted to take that off this opportunity, a very unique one to to document three fathers and just their experience, you know, from a lawyer to a photographer. So it's sort of across the corporate to creative space, just giving these little vignettes into showing people how life has changed through the kind of lens of fatherhood. And so what was the result? Obviously you then had to deal with other things. It wasn't, you couldn't go in with a full man band. You couldn't go with a crew. <laughs> you couldn't go with everything you wanted. It had to be super nimble and quick. Yeah. And so what is it that, I mean, you were entering other people's spaces during the COVID lockdown situation. So talk to me about yeah. that. I mean, it was, it was, it was actually really healthy because it was a return to my roots, if you will. Um, you know, back to a 5D, um, the Mark IV this time instead of the Mark II when I first started. But um, it allowed me to just strip away everything that, you know, overcomplicates projects and just be like, I'm going to go in with the minimum materials, just me, spend an hour or two with these guys, mainly outside because obviously of COVID restrictions and that in place and, and just film and them interacting with their child and then like have them tell me about it and their experiences and um so it was really healthy i think just to return to just basics just return to the storytelling and not worry too much about the equipment it is interesting you say that because you still came in with a wrath of equipment right well you, i mean we're not know. saying whip out your phone <laughs> and go tell some stories yeah, I, though that could be entirely be done i mean i the one major difference from when i was starting out to now is the the motorized gimbals like there's no way i could get the shots i'm getting at the speed i'm getting them with um back handheld in the way that i wanted to you know to the level of quality i wanted to produce the work um back then like as i can now with the with an electric gimbal like a ronin s and the cameras these days are small and light and they you can just fly them around and it's you know it's and the autofocus is really really fast so you know you have you still have good equipment but it's not like you need all the bells and whistles and tons of people to produce stuff but it, it just means that you have to like plan your shoot to be outside at certain times of day when you know the light's going to be good because you can't control the light you just have to live with 
what it's going to be. So you have to set up, you have to kind of stack the deck in your favor to be able to take advantage of all the, um, the right situation, the right scenario to make it look as good as possible. But I think that's a really good call. It's like everybody gets, <clears throat> and I made a couple of videos on kit, and everybody says that kit doesn't matter. The truth is, in my opinion, it does because I've got loads of it and I use it. Yeah. But I often strip my projects back and I go back to basics when I'm kind of running gun on the road. And I feel like creatives need to hear that. You know, mm -hmm. you don't always need everything. It's, it's like you need to just go, go grab the tool, go grab the camera, yeah. grab a couple batteries, grab a lens. And just go make some stuff. It ebbs and flows. I was on a shoot yesterday. My DP really knew what he was doing with lighting. The, the grips were like, you know, doing all that stuff. I could just talk to the client and talk to the talent and make them feel comfortable and do what I do. And I'm doing everything all at once when you're on a time restraint with a client who wants you to deliver. That's when I think more people being involved in more equipment, I mean, makes you be able to do stuff that you, you couldn't do alone. And that's why personal projects are amazing because you just do them when you, when it best works for you and for the project. But the, <laughs> that being said, you know, I don't know when I'm going to do my next personal project. I mean, sure, I have a seven day old newborn baby at home, but that's just an excuse. So I guess I'm going to make another five years of excuses before I make another personal project. But I think if I need to get anywhere, it's about, you know, doing them, doing more. Well, when you were starting to fly the gimbal, you had showed me a couple of videos that you were making in your back garden. Oh, yeah. And it was like, okay, well, here's this thing. And I'm like, sweet. Why don't you treat it like a commercial instead? Yeah, and that was a good tip. I think I, I made that kind of spec commercial with my son. Uh, what was, again, freeing about the pandemic was like, no one's making anything. Like, <laughs> literally, nothing's happening. Everything's locked down. So I'm like, okay, I've got my back garden. I've got my son. I've got magic hour. I've got, like, a you know decent camera set up that's, you know, just a DSLR and a gimbal. What can I do and show to production companies and uh, clients that, hey, I'm still around, I'm still doing this. Um, and yeah, it was really good just to kind of make stuff and be like, the bar is so low. <laughs> it's like, you can't go wrong. Like literally just, just, it's either, you know, doing something is better than, like failing is better than doing nothing at all. 100%. I think w what I really loved about the project was if it wasn't your son, you would have to hire a model. If it wasn't your back garden, you would have to get a location. If it wasn't your wife, then you'd have to get another model. And then you'd have to manage all of it. So it's really, you're just compressing all the elements into your own family. So you now have your models. Great. You then can go create whatever you want to create. And then you have, you'd need to have a purpose. So if you turn it into a commercial versus just I'm filming my family outside, so you now, there needs to be a story. So you're, you're, you can create some pretty incredible stuff very, in the very similar way you do it on set. You're just using your back garden instead. And I think that that's, for creatives, it's often, I need a deadline, I need a client, I need a budget. And you go, no, 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 you don't. You just need a purpose. And it's, 
you know, go create to create, but just manufacture the other stuff, the deadline, the budget, and the creative, and just go. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, when I was when I was at art school, when I was at art school, I we'd have like super basic, like rudimentary design assignments, like use only black and white, or use geometric colors or colors shapes and whatnot. And I I couldn't ever just do uh, just the assignment for pure visual purposes. I had to be like, okay, well, it's for a brand and they do this and it would ins- it would influence like how I did what I did. And I think if I just did stuff that just looked nice but didn't say anything, I, I probably wouldn't be happy with it and I also would probably struggle to do it in the first place. So you don't just create to create. Like there needs to be something behind it to either yeah. tell that story, say, yeah. share that story, evoke yeah. some sort of a message yeah. from it. Yeah, and, and I think one of the reasons... You know that the fatherhood project came together was because it was something that I wanted to do since week one of of having my son born and and the experience that it was, um, and having something so burning like that to want to say, and then finally having the <laughs> no excuse not to do it um, was super super healthy. But when I find when I'm just like always thinking about productions or like client work and 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 pitching on stuff and budgets and I don't give myself the space to kind of come up with like things I want to say like I literally just like yeah I just I stories are happening all around me but I'm just like too tunnel focused to, to on on the work on on whatever to like to to see them to want to tell them <clears throat> so, so it's like how do you step back out of that the day to day and the expectations of clients and and all that and and find stories to and then you know tell them that's I just yeah sometimes I'm like okay cool I've got time but I'm like I don't know what I want to what story I want to tell do you think it'd be helpful that over time the idea of like parking projects or making a laundry list of things that you want to do or personal projects that you want to get done so that way when you do have that time Mm. that you go aha I've got my personal projects folder <laughs> yeah. on my computer right there, and I've got 20 that I've been thinking about since 2021. Yeah, or well, not even thinking about, and I can return to and see them. But, I mean, and that's the truth. Like, the, I think the best creative work comes out of a burning desire to say a thing, like what you want to say, um, or a tell a story you want to tell. Um, yeah, and just some, like, more often than not, I... I'm too tunnel visioned on what's in front of me to to kind of look farther afield and find stories to tell that I want to tell. But I think you're not alone. Oh no, no, I'm 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 just um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's well, it's but like, I think it's the most valuable thing. I think the people who make it the farthest in this life, creative life, are those who prioritize that. And I don't, and I think it's to my career's detriment, to be honest, thus far. Okay, well, if you don't, I don't know what I am. I don't even hit the scale. <laughs> but I think that a lot of us have that problem. It, it, you know, before this year, 
this decade um, of 2020, 2021, mm-hmm. it's, we all go, okay, well, you know, you can worry about work, but this is the calm before the storm. Just enjoy it. And you never really can because you're like hustling around trying to find work, trying to get the next client, trying to get the next job. Mm. So you didn't give yourself the time to pause. And I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to me. And I think that a, a lot of creatives fall into this trap, which is when you have that time, you don't actually use that time. What you do is you panic to get busy again. And once you get busy again, you then go, oh, I wish I had that time. Totally. So it's the grass is greener. Yeah, I mean, it's just the hamster wheel as well. <laughs> it's like, you've always, you're, I, I'm, you know, if I'm on a project, I really should be looking for the next project, but I'm focused and totally on delivering the best, you know, work I can. When I really should probably spend 10 to 20% of my mental capacity on, on finding the next work, but it's tough. I'm sure your clients would be happier with the former. Yeah, I'm sure they're glad I <laughs> give them 100%. And I, well, that's also another thing to think about just in our space. It's like, do you then, if you're going to spend 75% of your time on the project and 25% of the time looking for the next project, well, then are you going re- to be happy with the project you've just delivered? And is it worth communicating with an agent or somebody who can help you facilitate more work so yeah. you can dedicate 100% of your time on the project at hand? It's that for sure, but that is outside of your control. You need to knock on someone's door and say, please accept me or please, you know, do do this on my behalf. And they have a hundred other people doing it too. And they say yes or no. And then you're giving control to somebody else. I think the best way to grow as a creative, and this is something really I've only started doing in the last, you know, probably, again, the pandemic was good since the pandemic and just having time to address things is to not try and do everything yourself. Realize what you're good at and what you're not good at or what just takes you, <laughs> a, you know, two to ten times as long as somebody else. So, like, I would always edit and grade and everything my own work, partly because I was working out the story sometimes in the, in the edit and partly because, you know, like, oh, you know, just this way I can make more money. But then I'm not, I'm A, not probably going to do as good a job because, you know, the, the editor I'm working on uh, with uh, this on a job recently, she's new. And it's so nice to send her some very rough cut that I've cut together just to give it a feel. And then she kind of does her magic based on feedback and, from the client and what I want and it comes back you know within a day you know light years ahead of what I could do myself your and rough rough cut my my rough cut <laughs> I, my, again my rough cut's there because it helps me to understand what the story I'm telling um you know because you have my script and I have my kind of flow of what I think but especially with my kind of work where it's like profile kind of documentarian type stuff you kind of go in and you have an idea of what you want, but you get what you get on the day. And, and that takes some teasing out in, uh, in the edit. So I don't know if I'll ever fully let go of it, but I probably have to. So the, the original question was, how do you find to time to think about the next stuff? And I think it's to uh, only do what you do so well 
on the project you're on and then outsource to talented other people the tasks that take you so much time for so little extra gain and then use that time to like do a personal project or do you know find new pictures and new projects you sacrifice some income but in the longer run i think you get to work on bigger projects anyway yeah well i look at it like having an accountant it's like i have an account because <laughs> i don't want to do the accounts it's not that exactly. i don't know how to do them it's just that it takes me forever and it takes accountant not as long and the accountant should pay for itself yeah. by saving me money on my debt. yeah precisely exactly and and the beautiful thing is like you know taking an accountant into mine like you know my accountant i've been with them for like seven years they know everything they know how i work and what i they need from me and how i can get it to them and it's a nice relationship so i think the when you work with other people, you get to try them, try them out and see how you get on. And hopefully you find good ones who you have a shorthand with and you can just, you know, it, it, the, the kind of working process becomes even lighter, which would be awesome. So is this a situation where you kind of, instead of maybe getting an agent, is it where you can look around your friendship circle and your creative circle and go, aha, I've got a project. I'm not a great editor. I need to find an editor and you put it out to editors and you need a producer. Is it something you can put this really interesting package of a project together and say, do you guys want to work on this? What's the barrier to that? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I think it's, you're, it's exactly, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, what I'm talking about is, is in a commercial capacity in terms of like, you can just hire the people you want to work with, but there's absolutely no reason why you can't, find the people in your circle and and share them with them an idea and get them excited about it um because i think like i said it's there's going and knocking on like uh, producers doors but i think it's better to make work than have them come and knock on your door to be honest yeah so yeah get do it, getting it to do it with your friend i mean that's i guess the thing is when you think of a personal project you're like if you're doing it all yourself, you're like, this is going to take me lots of time and lots of energy. But if you can get a little like crew together you want to work with, then I mean, I know that's your thing. You like to have your, your kind of like people around you who you, you can call on to like work on cool projects. Yeah. I mean, it gets tougher and tougher as we get older and decrepit. Uh, <clears throat> time becomes... A very, very tight resource. Yeah. I mean, I just remember the, the good old days when you could call anybody up and they always just said, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, of course. Of course I'll be there. Or I'll do it. And my, my thing has always been to say yes. Yeah. Always say yes until you can't. Um, you know, somebody might call me and do a project and I'm like, I'm out of town. I'm on a shoot. And I can't. Um, but any other time, if I'm free on that Tuesday, heck yeah, I'll be there. Um, and because I want to be involved because I think the value of being involved in something is far greater than me not. Sure. Because the relationships you make in the process, the story you then can tell to somebody else that you're working on this really interesting project about fatherhood or whatever it is, Mm. it's just more fun because it gets more people involved. And I've always been inclusive that way. Um, And I feel like it starts with yes. I know that not everybody holds that to, to be a thing because... That's just not how they're wired. Um, but I do find that a lot of projects can die 
if there's no enthusiasm from other people because it can't get shot or it can't get edited or the time restraints, it just falls into a hard drive. And I have hard drives, lots of hard drives. Um, and I think that when you run into those problems, it's really sad that, you know, I can look, looking at you as a friend and you go, I wouldn't want a project that you're really excited about to die because you didn't have that extra person to help out. Whereas like, I'm happy to raise my hand. I'll be a runner on the day. I'll be a DP on the day. I'll be a photographer on the day, whatever it is. Cause I know that I have some of those skills and I could step in. So I think it's about knowing yourself, knowing what you're good at, maybe not the best at, but knowing what you're good at and also just being able, offering your services. Sometimes having to work for free, working for free <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I was talking to my DP yesterday and he was saying, you know, he's, he was saying he did a job for probably a quarter of his normal day rate a while back, but or a while back the other week, because just because he was like, I wanted <clears throat> he wanted to work on the project. He was like, I know the director's going to do a good job. They always get it colored really nicely. They always, you know, there's like, there's a project that I want to be involved in. And it's one that I think based on the people involved will be successful. So I guess it's, you know, kind of self-fulfilling, right? You, you do it one time and then you, you show people that you can do it and then they'll want to do it again. And I guess if you're in these situations in these days when it is, it's not back. Like the industry is not back. There's no. There's. there's it feels like it's coming back for sure, but it's not back, not yet. No, and it's not back at all. And then you go back into it, and somebody goes, "Oh, what have you been up to?" And you go, "Mm, "Eating bonbons, sitting on the couch, hanging out, doing nothing." And you go, "Wait a minute, you could have been doing something." You could have been working on something interesting. You could have gotten engaged or involved in another project or something else. Mm. And you go, I want to be, I want my fingers in a lot of pies because I like my fingers in pies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so reaching out to creatives, it's like reach out to your buddies and just mm. see what they're up to. If there's money on the table, great. If there's not money on the table, great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it takes if it's not you, if it's not, if it's not you, then it takes somebody to be the inspiring force behind the project. I think they need to get everyone like super amped up. And then when it's like hard or it's not going super well, they need to just follow through and keep everyone's spirits up. Cause you know, it's, it's hard at times and people get busy at times and you need to keep it passionate. Like I, I have a friend of mine who's like often doing projects and you, and, and you, he calls you up and you and talks to you on the phone and you, you come off just like buzzing because you're like, this is going to be the most amazing project ever. <laughs> it's like, you know, that, that's, a, that's a really good skill. So either develop that skill to be able to pull other people around you or um, find, find people whose work that you really love and want to be involved in and, and get to like offer to work with those people because they're probably going to go far because it's a good skill. Okay, so talking about, we want to go back to the project as we do so well with tangents. We tend to go on tangents. Um, talk to me about the project itself. Was it, what did you get out of it? <laughs> Confirmation, first and foremost, because <clears throat> I had expected that these fathers would 
appreciate the, the additional time that they got to spend with their children. And um, I was correct. Granted, all their children were under school age. I could not imagine having to homeschool during that period of time. Very different beast. I have so much respect. <laughs> so my, my hypothesis was like the early years are super beneficial for fathers to be able to spend time with their kids even when they can't talk, even when they can't walk. It's that kind of developmental age when you can just hang out with them and spend time with them before and get to know them before they're walking, talking, little people with their own opinions. Um, I think that sort of first couple of years is super valuable only because my experience has been that, that. And it was really nice to get that confirmation from these other fathers. So when you went into this project, were you like, okay, great. I've got this project. I'm going to create X number and then I'm going to release. I'm going to create a highlight and then I'm going to like, put it on the internet and then I'm going to share it. I'm going to get some organizations involved and like have a driving force and a finish line or is it create something and just see how it goes and share it with a couple of people and see what happens. I mean, first and foremost, I was like, I just wanted to create the, this some short series. Like I don't care if no one sees it because I care about it and I just want to do it and I know I can do it and be happy with it. If no one ever sees it, <laughs> I can just enjoy that I've made it um, because that was the kind of period we were living in as well. We were living in the time when it's like, what else? I'm going to twiddle my thumbs, I guess, but and I'm very good at that. But there's only so much you can do before you need to do something. And, yeah. and it, I had reached that point. Uh, so, no, true, truthfully, I didn't I didn't really care if anyone saw them or not. And to be honest, the reception has been positive for those who have seen them but like i am not uh, a shout from the mountaintop kind of person about my work so it's probably flowing very much under you should probably do better the radar I, I i mean i've connected with a group uh, 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 an organization who are doing a study on fatherhood and the like pandemic and the effects of it have done a, quite a, like a multi kind of month like study on i think a thousand fathers or something and essentially I've said, when you guys release your study, if you want to kind of put these videos in the press pack, you're welcome to do so. And, you know, hopefully it'll help their research get shared and my, my work too. I only think you need to do better at that because I think what you're creating is great. <laughs> Thanks. And on that note, let's roll these things. This experience will impact long-term it will make you sort of think differently about how life will be perhaps life after covid19 has to be different um, and i'd like to think that we can all kind of lead in our own ways even if we're self-employed and create that balance between family and being a father and being successful in business the corporate world that I work in, I think you certainly scope for a bit more flexibility, get a bit more work-life balance, and I think that will become increasingly prevalent going forward. We're not going to pivot back to the way things were. I think people are now sort of understanding the importance of family more. So the, the purpose, you obviously, it was a personal project, you wanted to create something Fantastic. In this process, do you think it would have been more beneficial to more fathers to be able to see this thing 
And for your next personal project, put something in place where, okay, if I make this thing and it goes well and I get the outcome that I want, how am I going to share it better? Yeah, let you tell me. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's one of those things that it's, I think it's not something that I should spend the time learning how to do. I should, I need to, for best effect, I need to, you know, inspire someone else to work with me on the project. I, I think that this takes me to the, the group of people, the group of friends, because I always find when I work on things, I love to talk about other people and talk about stuff more than I like to talk about myself. Mm. So it's like, oh, my mate Miles is working on this cool project. You should listen to it. You should see it. And I feel like I am more inclined to do that sort of thing. And I feel like I have friends that aren't. Like I will blab about stuff. Yeah, and it's easier don't. to talk about other people for sure. Well, some people find it easy to toot their own horn and it's seen as a bad thing. But I, I do think as long as they're not annoying about it, I think good for them. Like it's, it's a good... It's good to have that confidence and <laughs> yeah, confidence might be the wrong word, but like overconfidence, as long as you're not annoying about it. Yeah. Well, I'm American <laughs> and I feel like Americans might be a little bit better at it it's than true. say Brits or Kiwis. For sure. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I think that that is a critical component because if you're going to invest the time and energy and effort to yeah. make this personal project... It's like people should see it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in my in my mind, I was like, look, it's going to go on my website. I'll, I'll, I've put a little bit on my Instagram, which I've since stopped using. But um, I have, it's there for when clients come and I can kind of promote it as the ideal of what I'd like to create. It's just another piece of good content that I can put on my site that when potential clients come, to me, I can show them rather than a, a project that kind of, you know, ended up the way it did because, uh, you know, the client had requirements and that's what they wanted. So, so it's your director's cut. Yeah, well, not just director's cut, it's my entire director's project. It's like if I could do exactly what I wanted to do, this it would look something like this. And, um, you know, they just have to understand that I couldn't do it on demand with you know, the, the way it had been done because that was a, you know, essentially I had over the course of three months shot with like on three afternoons with these fathers and that stuff kept moving and like gotcha. the, so was, the rain was happening one time, you know, it was like I could do it that way because I didn't have a deadline. I could just do it when it was perfect. Absolutely. I would love more people to see the projects that I put my heart and soul into. Um, but I, I try and focus on, and it's probably bad, but what's in my control, not what's in other people's control. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I think I've, for far too long, I've just waited for other people's permission when you just need to just do whatever you want to do. <laughs> like, you know, we, we're, we're in that stage now where there's the platforms and the technology and the equipment to get it to a pretty pretty decent level and get it out there if it gets picked up or not um i don't mind but well the nice thing is you now have something that you're super proud of that you love that you want to share yeah it's got a great message um so how does one show that to a client 
and then the client comes back and says, so why do you need all this other equipment when we can just do this and you could do it all by yourself yeah, totally. and we could pay you for one person as opposed to the DP, the soundy, all the other bells and whistles, but you've done that. Yeah. So well, how that, do you get around foremost, that? <laughs> I don't mention that you did it all, by, I did yourself. It all by myself, all right. but, um, I, I think I put it down to that certain con I put it in the context of like that this has been done this could was possible to be done this way because there were no everything was flexible the the guys that i filmed i knew and they were flexible um you know but when you're paying for talent and there's lots more people involved or you'll bring someone up from devon to shoot with them or whatever you know it kind of there's more on the line it needs to happen when it needs to happen and i that's kind of i mean that's why mike movies cost so much because they make it sunny when it's raining <laughs> it's like you know i mean that's what i've you know a director i've talked to in the past was like you know if you're gonna if you want to come up with a really great project don't don't come up with an idea that relies on the weather being a certain way to film it <laughs> if you need to pull a whole lot of people together because um, that costs a lot of money and then the next step is if it does need to take the weather to be able to film it as you want it, do it like I did it, wherein it's like completely flexible. If it rains, you move it. It's just you. You don't have to call anyone else but the person you're meeting with. And then you can do it whenever you want. And, and that's, so that's sort of what clients are paying for. They're paying for more control over, you know, deadlines. It was, it, the interesting thing about people who do photography or filmmaking for fun and the people that do it professionally. A gentleman was asking, you know, okay, well, how do I become a professional photographer? How do I become a filmmaker? And uh, there was another gentleman sitting there with, with us, and he was a, a jobbing, or sorry, a hobbyist photographer. And he just said, the difference between a hobbyist photographer and a professional photographer is the professional delivers every time. The hobbyist can go play and try and trial with things, and occasionally he'll get a good image. The professional knows he's coming home with something. And I feel like the film, the filmmakers, when you're making a proper film, it's like you have to deliver. If all this is on the line, you've got budgets, you've got people, you've got time, everybody's invested in this thing, you got to deliver it. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing a personal project, the joy of that, I'm not calling you a hobbyist by any stretch of no, no, imagination, is, is that you have the ability to plug and play and try it out and figure yeah. it out. And really the only time and energy and effort that would have been wasted if it doesn't work is yours yeah and that's okay and if you enjoyed the process then no loss yeah exactly and that is the difference between professional and 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 like hobbyist and i think but i think that the transition from hobbyist to professional is definitely what i was talking about before whereas a professional doesn't do everything themselves like you know there's the they know that other people do stuff better than them and they know that to deliver a project to the highest standard they need to go get those people involved and so you know i think the idea of the professional being like so much better than a hobbyist is probably makes the hobbyist think they can never get there whereas they probably just need to understand that like no one can do everything like if you look at a movie and you look at how many credits are at the end of it, like, 
That, that I was, always find that just mind boggling. Yeah, that was a lot of people <laughs> made it look like that, you know? It's like, because one person couldn't. And, and like, I think a hobbyist probably has this idea that, like, a, a, a professional is just, like, knows how to do everything. But they, the professional probably just knows how to do what they do and not do everything. So how do we, how do we encourage a generation of to-be professionals um, so they don't feel like they're chucked in the deep end and have no chance of swimming in this world, in this professional world. Um, how do we encourage them to take the next step and to evolve and be more creative and more daring with their work? And Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, if they're young, definitely you've got time. You've got that resource that when you're older you don't have as much of you can still make time um and you're you know you you don't need to earn as much money as you think you do and earning more money doesn't necessarily make you more successful at that age i wish that i didn't try to make as much money i wish that if i'd got a 1200 pound budget i'd only earned 300 of it and spent the rest of it on people who like other people who would make it even better. That's a fair call. So not just trying to take your 1200 pounds and stuff it in your pocket and get everybody to do stuff for free or do it all on your own. Well, mainly for me, I'm not very good at doing stuff of getting other people to do stuff for free, especially if I'm being paid for it. I don't like, I don't enjoy that. That's but, a good trait, <laughs> but certainly do it all on my own. That was my, that was my route to making 1200 pounds. <laughs> That's very interesting. Cause I've always been, uh, throughout my career, a one-man band hmm. and as I uh, try and give away control I feel like it's only happened over the past three years hmm. where actually five L likewise to be honest so mine was editing I was like I'm just gonna give this away hmm. I cannot do this only because what I was I was coming home and I only had like a couple of days literally to jump on another plane to go somewhere else and come back export offload get it there and then leave again yeah and then i couldn't manage anything on the road so i had to have somebody else in place to be able to deliver projects for clients um or i would be an absolute and utter failure <laughs> so i had to give it away and with that gave creative license away because i wasn't crafting the first rough edit right. i had to go this is the plan this is what i want but i have to put it in your hands and i think finding trusting that person is tough and, and giving them the chance to get up to speed. I think no one's going to be able to deliver what's in your head that you've done a thousand times beforehand on the first try. Uh, and that's, that's tough because you're like, what am I doing? This is such a waste. Like, I've, <laughs> I could have just done this already. But with the idea is that you find someone who's really good and give them a few jobs to get to know you. Not just freak out on the first edit and be like, Bruh! exactly. Perhaps the first time you ever use someone, budget a little bit more time in there than you probably otherwise could do it in yourself in your own time, um, because it's going to be a bit more back and forth. Because you'd be like, I could have done that myself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's really nice to reach the place where you go, I couldn't have done that myself. <laughs> yeah, I really like that idea. I often get to the point where I'm like, I could have done that, but then I have to breathe and go, yeah, but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did not do that. And and as well, like, you know, yesterday, again, yesterday, just because it's all 
very just happened. Um, you know, the, a client, another client wanted another thing, and I was obviously doing what I was doing yesterday on on the location, and to be able to just get my editor to like deliver that within a simple message. It's like, yeah, I can, know, t- I can totally deliver that. And then that keeps the client that that keeps the client happy, which means you're probably going to get more work from them because they are getting what they need when they need it, and they're like, you know. And, you know, it just it, it just, just works better in every way. And hopefully over time, your the budgets do go up and you can just, you know, continue to pay people to do great work. All right. And look, we could talk for hours on this stuff. I mean, it is far reaching. I think the creative space, what you've been able to create, what we both individually create, how we come together on some things, not on all things. Um, I think the the joy is, is just surround yourself with incredibly creative people Yeah, that are better than you, like Miles. Like Justin, yeah. And that, my man, is the end of episode two on Collaboration Station. Thanks for being on.